Welcome to Real Life, the program that talks about the life of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond. The people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate with your host, broker associate of Sotheby's International Realty, John Christopher. Welcome back to Real Life, and this is your host, John Christopher, and today I have with me a top producer of the North Fork, Mary Terry. Hi, Mary. How are you? Good. How are you, John? Good. I'm great now that I have you on the program. You know, before we talk about uh, real estate in the North Fork, let's talk about you. You're a native to this neck of the woods. In fact, your family, I believe, has some history here. Is that correct? We do. We do. We're one of seven founding families on both the South Fork and the North Fork. You're but, um, I, but I was raised on the South Fork. That is interesting. See, I, I know the Halseys are out here, the Corwiths, but I, I'm not familiar with the Terrys. Yeah, yep, the Terrys as well. And actually on the North Fork, the story is two brothers came over. One settled on the North Fork and one on the South Fork. But on the North Fork, I've discovered there's a whole cemetery for just Terrys. Wow. Where's the where It's that? an Orient. Huh. Why so far out? Did they have, were they working out that, that far out? You know, because it's like the, the end of uh, North Fork. Yeah. Well, there's the big Terry farm out there. And uh, actually, I just finished a book on Long Island um, uh, migrant workers and migrant camps. And I watched a whole documentary on it. And I was afraid to look up Terry. But yes, Terry's had one of those as well back oh. in the day. That is interesting. That is fascinating. Now, have you ever, were they farmers? Were they dealing, uh, tilling of the land? Yes, they were farmers and fishermen. Hmm. Interesting. Now, are you a good fisherman? Um, I'm a media, I'm a good chef of fish and seafood. Let's put it that way. I'm not as good at catching it. Did you have a restaurant? Somebody told me that once before. Did you have a restaurant? No, my sister has a restaurant. She has a great restaurant in Bayshore called The Lake House. No, but I did a lot of catering and I wanted to open a cafe, but I never did. Maybe in my retirement. Right. <laughs> well, you yeah. got some ways to go yet there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what, what exactly were you doing before real estate? You were just doing what you just said, catering? Uh I was catering. I ran the food program for the College of Sustainability. I was the head of that at uh, Stony Brook, Southampton. And I actually got into real estate when they shut that campus down. Uh, everybody had the option, most people, of going up to main campus. And that was not the kind of, um, that's not the kind of food that I did. I, you know, I didn't, I don't do processed food, but it, but I, yeah, I ran the program there. And when they shut that campus down, that's when I just, you know, pivoted into real estate. Wow. Now you were uh, a realtor or an agent on, um, or broker, I should say on the South Fork. And now you're uh, mainly in the North Fork. Uh, how did you make that transition? Well, three years ago, I moved to the North Fork. I still work on the South Fork, but I live on the North Fork. So it just was a natural progression. Um, growing up, I mean, I heard my whole life, oh, the North Fork is going to become the new South Fork, blah, blah, blah. I heard that for 25 years. Five years ago, it really happened. Greenport it, is the new Sag Harbor. Is that right? You know, it's interesting because uh, it's got to be over 20 years ago when I first came out here. And I was dealing with... Uh, this uh, agent from 
Greenport, who later became the mayor of Greenport. I don't know. If oh, he's wonderful. He's yeah. still he's still in real estate. Is he really? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He just showed one of my properties in uh, East Marion. Wow. And, that uh, is, yeah. Yeah, you know, and you know what he said to me? This is going back then. I said, do you think the North Fork will ever become like the South Fork? And he said, probably in five years. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. So you think now that the North Fork, just because Greenport is such a burgeoning community? It's not just Greenport. It's all of North Fork. John, if you take the North Road, when I was growing up, it was all dilapidated farm, potato farms and, and, and farmhouses. You feel like you're in Italy. You drive that North Highway, you might as well be in Italy. It is stunning with the vineyards and the breweries and the craft chocolate and craft this and craft that, craft donuts. I mean, <laughs> they have such artisans. And I've noticed, you know, there have been studies done and it's a different buyer, the South Fork buyer and the North Fork buyer. Um, the, North so? buyer so? the North Fork buyer is looking for community. That's what they're looking for. They don't need, you know, the... The glitz? They don't need that. They don't want it. They're not entertaining clients. They don't need the showcase house on the water, on the ocean. They're not... Um, well, they're not going to get the ocean on the North Fork, but they don't... They're not looking for that. They're looking for community. They want to be able to meet their friends and take their children and go to the farm stands and go out to the craft breweries. I mean, you go there, they have their pets, they have their children, they have bands all over. And it's just a very different buyer. I just got uh, two buyers from East Hampton and only because they couldn't find what they wanted in East Hampton, but they, they're looking, one has to be very close to a marina and there are a lot of affordable marinas compared to East Hampton. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just a different buyer. Well, it's also so. a, probably a different lifestyle, too. Right. I mean, like you say, because uh, I remember when I lived in Shelter Island before moving to the South Fork, um, we had a lot of friends on the North Fork. And it, it was uh, my daughter made, you know, a lot of good friends, you know, when she was young, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, it just uh, something about the and I remember asking a couple that lived in Greenport, they had a, a beautiful house. Um, why Greenport? And they said, because we didn't want to go to the South Fork. You know, it just, we mm -hmm. wanted to bring our kids up in a, in a community. And that's, I think it's a very attractive uh, element to the North Fork. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's definitely a different buyer. Uh, it's refreshing. Yeah. You know, think, yeah. yeah. You know, now that we've uh, wrapped up the summer season, did you notice any difference in the rental market this year as compared to last? Yes. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up. The rental market was very off this year. You know, last year it was off also off. in the other direction. Yeah, other direction, was, like craziness. It was absolute insanity. I don't know if that's because everybody bought and there weren't as many tenants looking. I do. One thing I did notice another difference between the South Fork and the North Fork, because I recently sold a property of my own on the South Fork and I invested in two properties on the North Fork for the same amount of money. And they're going to be investment properties. They're going to be rental properties. And someone asked me why I would do that. And the North Fork has a much, much longer rental season. Much longer. It, it goes right past Thanksgiving. What? So in other words, somebody comes out, they, uh, I want to rent from Memorial Day to Thanksgiving? Yes. 
Yep, they want to go right through the pumpkin and then the harvest for Thanksgiving and the fruits and the farm stands. It used to be, not so much anymore, but it used to be on the South Fork, they rolled up the sidewalks right after Labor Day. Um, now I see that our season goes a little bit longer over there, but nowhere near the North Fork. The, 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 our traffic jams now for pumpkins are, are Crazy. insanity. Right. Yes. I can imagine. Yeah, it's like the same here on the South Fork, uh, trying to get mm-hmm. it on 27 where that uh, farm's uh, pumpkin Hanks. farm is. Yeah, right. Thanks. Hanks. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Just avoid it, you know, unless you're going there. <laughs> it's funny. I had my granddaughter over yesterday and she's noticing that everybody has their pumpkins. She's going to be three. And she uh, she wanted to go pumpkin picking. And I ran to the store and bought three pumpkins and dumped them, <laughs> dumped them in the yard and said, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I didn't want to stand in line. <laughs> That's very smart. I said, have fun. You see what you learn? <laughs> yes. Good, good advice. Up. Yeah, growing up. Good advice. Growing up out here on the South Fork, I would do all my grocery shopping, get my gas. Everything was done on a Wednesday. Right, right. That's funny. Um, did you do any sight unseen rentals, by the way? You know, when we were in the, the, the period of craziness? I did, but I did. I did three FaceTime sales. They never saw the house until closing. And there was no, no issues you had. They came in, they were, they loved the house and that was no issues. I never heard a word. They were just so grateful to, to get something and get in there. I mean, one of them, one of them, this one was in Hampton base, happened to be on the South fork. One of them sent their mother for the walkthrough, the final walkthrough, but Mm. contracts were signed. It was all done. Wow, that is that's fascinating. Um, is inventory low on the North Fork like it's uh, over here on the South Fork? It, it's it's not as low as the South Fork, but things are definitely slowing down, and I think that's due to the lack of inventory. It has to be. Mm, yeah. What about pricing? I mean, uh, have uh, prices spiked? Yes, they have definitely spiked, but they're still they can't they don't compare to the South Fork. But yes, yeah, wow. they've gone way, way up. Now, who would you, like you said, you think it's more families are coming out to uh, the North Fork. Um, what do you, what, what's your thoughts about sales going into, uh, into the fall? Well, as you know, the fall has always been our second strongest selling season. And, uh, you, you know, my advice is if anybody has a property, that they want to sell. Now is the time. The inventory is so low. I mean, I really think it's the time. It's the reason why I sold. You know, right. I, I think it's the time. If you're not using it and you want to cash out, I don't th- think this market can stay this high that much longer. Right. Yeah. Only time will tell, you know, it's, yes. uh, um, what do you, what kind of advice do you give uh, or offer to uh, first time home buyers coming into the market, especially in this market? If you want something move very quickly, have your proof of funds ready, have your pre-approval ready and be ready to make an offer at ask or above ask the day you see it. Wow. The day you see it. The day you view it, if you have any interest at all. Don't wait a week. Don't let's say, let's think about it. Let's don't wait two it. days. Don't, <laughs> don't wait two days. If you want it, you have any interest at all. I just had this actually with, with a relative of mine I was helping. And, you know, 
make it yours after. If there's one little thing you don't like, that can be changed. The inventory is not there right now. So if you like it, make it what you want afterwards. You have to move quickly. And she finally did. So she's in contract now. Wow. And she's happy? She is happy. I mean, it's, she was, you know, she was analyzing everything too much and you can't do that in this market. Yeah. You know, you can't have analysis paralysis. You have to jump on things. I like that. I like that. Analysis paralysis. Um, We got 30 seconds. What kind of advice would you say to sellers that are thinking about putting in their house, especially when it comes to putting it on the market, especially pricing wise? Well, look at the comps. I mean, I wouldn't, what they're doing now, actually, and it was just featured in the New York Times, is people are underpricing and there's bidding wars everywhere. If it were me, that's what I would do. I would price it reasonably, get it done fast and furious. I don't determine the selling price. You don't determine the selling price. The The market market will determine that. Exactly. How can somebody get get in touch with you, Mary? uh, They can text or call me, 631-413-7800. Any, uh, I have, go ahead. I have a couple of different emails. Please. So, so I'll give you my North Fork one. Mary at Terry Twin Forks Realty.com. Fantastic. Mary Terry, it's been a delight having you on the program. This is John Christopher for Real Life Broadcasting here in the vibrant village of Southampton, New York, on the only NPR station on Long Island, WLIW 88.3 FM. If you'd like to hear this program again or any other podcast, go to WLIW.org slash radio. Thank you for listening. And in the meantime, be sure to have an awesome journey. back to real life and this is your host john christopher and today i have north fork attorney sandra say hey sandra how are you today hi john very nice talking to you today likewise i'm so happy you're on the program you were an attorney in argentina so can you tell us about your journey of how you got from argentina to the north fork Sure. Um, I, you know, I grew up in Argentina, uh, spending my summers on the Atlantic coast, you know, similar to the Hamptons. Hmm. And uh, actually, I was born there because I I was born, you know, at the beginning, at the end of the summer, and my parents were at my grandparents' house. So I, you know, I guess I always had this, you know, um, interest in being near the water. And uh, eventually, you know, my life took me to New York City. And I always missed, you know, my summers. My summers in New York City are very hot and humid. Mm-hmm, and, and so uh, about 12 years ago, I discovered the North Fork. And I kept saying to people, you know, this place is amazing. And they were like, oh, you're going to the Hamptons. I'm like, no, it's a, it's a different place. And they said, oh, you don't know. You're from Argentina. You're probably going to the Hamptons and you don't know. I said, no, no, no. <laughs> it's a different fork. I had to go around with a map to show. And show people. I know. When I would tell people uh, uh, where I was living uh, in Shelter Island at the time, I would show them, you know, Shelter Islands between the two forks, the twin forks. And I'd always show them my two fingers and I'd say the island's right in the middle. And they'd say, where is it again? (laughs) So I understand perfectly what you're saying. Um, I know some people have retired to other countries. Is 
Is buying a house in Argentina different than buying a house here in the North Fork? Definitely. I mean, the, the issues are completely different. I mean, just to, you know, as a start to get an idea, right now the inflation so far is at 30%, and they expect 30%. it to be at 80% at the end of the year. What? Age zero. That's okay. Great. Oh, my goodness. Right. So it's mostly a cash economy because the bank accounts, a regular savings account is negative interest right now. So the banks, you know, for private citizens, you, you just don't use checks. You don't use a bank account. It's all cash. And it's, a, it's like a parallel economy in U.S. dollars with different exchange rates, depending, you know, we have, there is an official and a non-official exchange rate. And all the residential real estate transactions, I would say probably 90% are cash, like literally bags of cash brought to the closing. So that's a completely they come in with suitcases, maybe. <laughs> well, you usually try to use the best is to use like a shopping bag and uh, maybe shoe boxes. And you know, you keep the nice bags if you bought something at a good store and you walk around with that, or you know, or or store supermarket bags. Um, but, but know, don't bring don't bring a backpack or you know or or a gym bag. That's not good. That's not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. It reminds me of uh, when I first started in the business. I heard uh, older agents telling me at the time that they did a lot of cash transactions, and people would come to the closing with suitcases of cash. And um, I don't think that's existing now, but <laughs> at one point it did. So that's interesting. And uh, being uh, ha having to buy now, also in Argentina, I know in Italy, you know, one of the things that happens is that in the kitchen that you think you would get the appliances, et cetera. And in Italy, they take everything, literally the, the cabinets. So you're only left with the plumbing, the, the outside fixture. They take all everything, the fixtures. Is that similar in, in Argentina? Well, in Argentina, even if most of the population came, the immigrants came from Italy, they, they remove the appliances. Everything that is fixed to the wall stays. However, the appliances go. And... Uh, and, you know, that's something that is different because here you expect the appliances to be there. They all should be in working order. They get tested, you know, several times. And we have a lot of issues at closings when, oh, the dishwasher wasn't working or this wasn't working. Um, so that, that is also something different. And, uh, and also, you know, it's for people, you know, here in the U.S., you know, Argentina is a beautiful country. You can buy, you know, beautiful you know, art deco apartments. However, it's very complicated to get transfer money into the country and it's more complicated to get it out. And also if you're a foreigner and you own real estate, when you sell it, the withholding is over 30%. They 30 put it in 40%. like an escrow account? Right, like the FIRTA withholding in, in here for a, for a foreigner or someone who doesn't, pay U.S. taxes, right. um, and then, you know, how do you get the, the U.S. dollars out of the country? That's for a different podcast. Whoa, interesting, interesting. Um, it sounds like it's a great place, but how did you become an attorney, by the way? What led you into um, it? My father was an attorney, and um, so I, you know, I, I kind of follow his steps and uh graduated from law school uh, very young. At the time, you could you have the option to go to class 
or just study and take all the exams on your own without going to class. So I did that and I finished law school very young. Uh, you know, when I look back, I don't think it was a very good idea, you know, because I, I, I started working when I was extremely ex much younger, let's say much younger than now. And, uh, and but I always, you know, my parents had friends in New York City and we, we came here um, many times. And I always, you know, since I was like 10 or 12, this is where I wanted to be. And uh, and I had a, a we had a neighbor, another attorney who was a law professor who ended up in the Supreme Court, and he had a very good relationship with uh, a, a Southern Methodist University in Texas. And I kept saying to him, "But I want to go to New York." And he says, "No, no, no, you're you're going to Texas. I'm going to write you a letter." And I said, "But I want to be in New York City." So anyway, I you know I ended up going to Texas and I studied there for a year. I got a master's in law. But after I finished, you know, my nine months in Texas, I pay my dues and I went to New York City. I passed the New York bar and, uh, and then I got a job um, working for the United Nations. And that was the end of the story. Wow. That's a, that's a great story. I love that story. Let's talk about the uh, North Fork. One of the things that uh, tends to slow down uh, closings to the at uh, getting to the closing table, I should say, is uh, boundary disputes. Uh, for example, Mrs. Smith has been using a part of Mr. Jones's property for the past 20 years, thinking it was hers. Does this ever happen in the North Fork? This is happening more and more, especially because now the, the surveyors, you know, have much more, you know, precise techniques to, to determine the boundaries. So you always find, you know, a fence, that, that has, you know, been encroaching a little bit on, on one neighbor or the other. And uh, so this is something that we always, uh, now we are prepared that it would happen. And uh, what I try to do when I represent the sellers is to, if I can walk around the property with them to see what we may find. Uh, if, you know, if the seller is encroaching on a neighbor, it's, it's not so bad of an issue I mean, they, the buyer would know that the, the neighbor can come and claim that piece of property. But if a neighbor is encroaching on the seller, that means they may not own that portion of the property. And in some cases, you know, if it's over one feet, then um, they could be out of possession and they wouldn't get title insurance for that portion of the property. So you have to go around. I just did it. I, I have to go around. I found the neighbor, I found the attorney for the neighbor, I knew the attorney, I called her, and then we realized that it's a very old fence that is kind of falling into the neighbors. So if you push it a little bit, the surveyor went back and said, okay, now we're fine, there's no encroachment. So there are different ways that you can solve this. Sometimes you can, you know, and sometimes you have to get, a, you know, a boundary agreement signed, you know, by the neighbor. Right. You know, I find that fascinating what you just said uh, about going to the property to look at it, which is unusual. I, I first time I've heard that, uh, you know, when I hear on the South Fork, I know a lot of the attorneys, they know where the property is, but they've never been to the property. I think that's very admirable of you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like to do that. I like to be hands-on. I drive around, I take pictures, I find out who is the neighbor, and uh, I walk around with, you know, the, sometimes, you know, this is a second home. The owners don't really know the neighbors. They, they don't know. They don't even know sometimes who owns those fences. 
It's, you know, nobody, some old ones, nobody knows if the previous owner put it there or the neighbor. So you also can try to get the surveys of the neighboring properties or, you know, I also, I call the surveyors all the time. And I asked them, I said, explain me what you did. Where did you go? How did you walk around? So I can understand instead of just, you know, saying, okay, we can't close. There is a problem. I, I like to find, you know, a solution to the problem. Before you get to the closing table. That's great. Right. Um, since we're in the seller's market, have you had any sellers saying, yeah, you know, Sandra, we'll close, but we want to stay another 12 months after the closing. Have you been in any of those situations? And how do you deal with that? Um, I had a, I had situations where uh, I represented the buyers. This was last year, right? When, uh, you know, during COVID, uh, everybody wanted to get out of New York City and go to the South Fork or the North Fork. So there's a lot of people wanted to put their houses on the market, but they wanted to spend the summer here. So the seller would put it on the market in, in April and May and said, oh, but we don't want to close until October. And, uh, and some also said, we actually want to rent it for the summer because we're going to make a lot of money. So we'll close in October. And that doesn't put the buyers in a very good situation because it's not only that they're, not, they're going to close and they're not going to be able to access their own home, but also there are going to be other people living there other than the seller. So that could, you know, turn out into a very, very, very bad nightmare for the buyers. Right. Interesting. Okay. Um, what areas do you see buyers coming from? Are they coming from Connecticut, New York? Where are they coming from? A lot of the buyers are young couples with young children from Brooklyn. And they all want swimming pools. And I try to convince them and promise them that there is a lot of water around here and they may not need a swimming pool. And I explain to them, I'd like to send it, you know, these prospective buyers, young couples from Brooklyn, they have really good jobs, they, they work hard. So I calculate for them the cost of maintaining those houses. It's not just the closing cost. They maybe have never owned a home before. They live in an apartment or they rent. So I explain to them how much it's going to cost them to maintain a swimming pool that they're going to use maybe two months a year. And, you know, many times I convince them and they realize, okay, maybe we don't need one. Um, but uh, I would say I, I, I've seen that happening a lot. Right. Interesting. That's, a, that's, that's fascinating. Um, a lot of people, that's your uh, idea of the, we're, we're surrounded by water because uh, the expense of keeping the pool open for two, three months adds up, you know, every week somebody's coming and that's a, you know, a bill coming in every week or month. So anyway, I think that's great what you, the advice you're giving, what kind of, um, uh, we've got like 15, 20 seconds. Uh, what kind of advice would you give to a first time buyer coming here to the North Fork? Um, they have to drive around and get to understand what are, you know, uh, compare what do they think they, they need with what they will really, you know, can live with, uh, especially if it's a second home. And also, this is not an investment area. If you buy a house thinking you're going to pay off the mortgage by renting it, it's not a good idea. Right. And if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how could they do that, Sandra? They can call me at 631-765-8036, or they can send me an email at 
sandra at northforklawoffice.com. Great. Sandra Say, thank you so much for coming on the program. This is John Christopher for Real Life, broadcasting here in the wonderful village of Southampton, New York, on the only NPR station on Long Island. Thank you for listening. And in the meantime, be sure to have an awesome journey. You have been listening to Real Life, the program that talks about the people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond with host John Christopher, who also created the music for Real Life. WLIWFM's Delaney Hafner and Kyle Lynch provide production support. Thank you for joining us for Real Life right here on listener-supported 88.3 WLIWFM. Long Island's only NPR station, which you can also find on your favorite streaming apps and at wliw.org radio.